Thanks for tuning in to Travel Royally Podcast. This is your host, Hayden Moore. We are sponsored by Royal Links Golf Tours, where we create unforgettable golf vacations to the British Isles. You can find us at royallinksgolftours.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Travel Royally Podcast. Today, we have Neil McConaughey. McConaughey? Uh, somewhere close to that. I know uh, I was trying to pronounce it a second ago, and uh, we were struggling. But uh, it's uh, amazing to have you on here. Uh, you're a man of many, many uh, experiences, um, and we're going to dive right into it. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, Hayden. Yourself? Good, good. good. I'm doing good. great. Um, normally, when I interview somebody from the British Isles, I've got to wake up real early. Today, we found a nice middle of the day time. It's 12 a. 12 p.m. here. Uh, it's what? What time is it for you? 5 p.m. 5 p.m. So yeah. it was yeah. a good, a very good convenient. Mix. Yeah. So uh, let's start with where golf began for you. Um, I know that you are a rules official now, um, member of a couple courses, member of RNA. Tell me where golf began for you. Um, my earliest recollections. Um, are going to lessons on a Saturday morning with the local professional, the Murray Golf Club in Lossiemouth. And I must yeah. have been, I was probably around six years old, lots of other kids. He loved, he loved teaching the kids. So I'm afraid it's about 65 years ago now, but uh, very happy memories. Wow. So that's an interesting story because that's exactly how my golf career began as well. So we had a course near our hometown and the golf pro there uh, had a clinic every Saturday morning. Uh, we had an hour of range time and played four holes. And I started at about eight, seven or eight years old. That's, that's crazy yeah. how that uh, <laughs> both of us started the same, same area. Um, that's awesome. So you said you lived, you lived right off Murray uh, golf club, correct? I was extremely lucky. The, the nearest building to my home was the golf clubhouse. And naturally, y'all had, had to be a part of that golf course. And Absolutely. Yeah. So you're, And your dad was the town doctor. Is that correct? He was one. There was three of them. Yeah. He was family family physician. We call them general practitioners in this country. Yeah. Uh, and my, my mother was actually as well. So. It was a medical, it was a medical household. <laughs> you had a lot of visitors? A lot of visitors. The surgery was run from the house. Yeah. Any Very injuries from the golf tradition. course? Uh, they, they did get occasionally get, get, uh, get people who were taken over with maybe being hit in the head or usually the, if, if somebody had had something serious, like a chest pain, somebody would, the nearest port of call, uh, would have been my parents' house. Not that that was necessarily where they should have gone, but uh, that was kind of where they would perhaps rush to get some advice yeah. as to what to do next. Yeah, I got you. Um, so you've obviously been, been a golfer your whole life. Your dad was also a golfer, and your mom? Yes. Uh, my, fa lot? my father was, was very keen. He'd captained the Aberdeen University team when he was a student, um, he captained the Murray Golf Club. He actually won the what we call the North District of Scotland, the North District Senior Championship at 
when he was 65 at Royal Dornoch. He was very proud of the age of 65 going round Dornoch in 78 in the foulest of conditions, he insisted. Wow. Um, and my mother, my mother was really an all-round sportswoman. Um, she was probably actually more talented in, in lots of things than he was. She was a hockey player, field hockey. Um, she was an athletics champion of the Scottish universities. We actually have a program. Her her record for this, which she said at the Scottish universities, stood for for many years. And we have a program that records her holding the men's record, the, the women's record, and the men's record above was held by held by Eric Little. Uh, he'd said oh. it a few years before Eric Little from Chariots of Fire. So we've kind of kept that as a memento. Not that I think that they ever they ever met. Um, and she played golf. Um, pretty enthusiastically, maybe not with quite so much success at golf as my father, but yeah. a, a, a sporting household. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, so as you already know, but um, for everybody else, my partner Jeff is a member at uh, Murray Golf Club, and that is where we're talking about. He has uh, he grew up right behind the golf club um, and Y'all met on a bench at the golf course. Is that correct? You and That's Jack cor- correct. Yeah, we were just sitting there chatting, and uh, things began to come together. Yeah, uh, he talked about uh, golf in America, and I'd lived there for a time, and very enthusiastic about golf in America, and it just blossomed from there. So yeah, that was good. and then you got to take a trip to America, correct? And uh, yeah. Do you have a RNA and USGA had a meeting together? Was that was that the occasion? I, I was lucky enough because I was involved in the rewriting of the rules that, that came out in 2019. So I was lucky enough on, from those occasions to to uh, have meetings in America and in and in the UK with the USGA on on. Uh, quite a few occasions mm-hmm. and and certainly on one of them uh i came across and met jeff in, in atlanta yeah and you got to play a, a nice course down here didn't you yeah that was um <laughs> that was a kind of uh dream come true yeah um, neil neil got to play uh east lake when he when he visited atlanta and uh i know that uh it's one of your dream courses because you're you're a big bobby jones fan and that's yeah. where he grew up and played. And um, that must have been special. Tell us uh, how nervous you were on the first tee. Well, I, I, I likened it to Jeff, to people who arrive in St. Andrews, I think, and stand on the first tee of the old course for the first time. Yeah. For, for me, there was so much history on that tee uh, that I found that that really quite, quite powerful. Uh, my father was a huge Bobby Jones fan. Uh, he had he had uh, he was born in 1921, so obviously he started playing golf early. And Jones was the golfer of the of that era. Mm-hmm. And and my father uh, uh, quite rightly adhered to the principles that Jones stood for, the traditions of the game. You know the the famous thing you might when he was. Somebody said to him, would you cheat? He said, well, you might as well praise me for not robbing a bank. Well, my father took the same attitude onto the, onto the golf course. He, he and I we were very lucky, to uh, my father and I, to play Marion together, where Jones 
one obviously an amateur and an open and he would yeah. have been he'd have been thrilled to know that I'd stood on the first tier East League as I was yeah. I'm very, and I'm very grateful for, to Jeff and others who helped make that that happen that's one of my great golf memories yeah I'm uh I'm I'm begging Jeff to get me out there I'm I'm next you got your turn You're, now it's my yeah. turn well you keep going because it's it's truly worth it. It's truly worth it. And then I get to see it, obviously, every year uh, in the playoffs when they play it at Eastlake. And, uh, yeah. and I, I can follow the, the, the routing of the course. And, uh, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so you are a – I was talking about you live on Murray and then you were a member at West Links. Tell us how that came about. Um, I know that's an honorary, honorary membership. So tell us a little bit about it. And don't be humble either. No, no, it's a, um, it's a, a great privilege. Uh, it, it came to, it's, it's come through my connection with them through uh, officiating, through refereeing and so on. It wasn't a course necessarily that I knew a lot about until I started. Um, but when I arrived there, I instantly fell in love with it. It's a classic links golf course it's 18 i'm just looking over something at the moment it's 1873 so one of the oldest links golf courses in, yeah. in in england it's it sits in a fantastic strip of coast which starts at hoylake the royal liverpool glove at, club at hoylake yeah runs through wallasey then you're into liverpool and west lanks is just north of liverpool uh, in a place called Blundell Sands, on the coast, directly opposite where the, the ships turn right to go down the Mersey River to get, discharge their cargo. And then you go on from West Lanks and you hit Formby, uh, Southport, Nainsdale, Birkdale, and then it goes on up to, to Royal Lytham. So it sits yeah. in um, uh, a majestic strip of golfing links. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's all with the same characteristic, wind, which is what yeah. a Lynx golf course depends on. Hard and fast, bunkers, lots of runoffs from the green. And yeah, just it's a, a, a wonderful place to, to play golf. And I did, um, I spent a number of, um, an amount of time working there on various RNA championships and just uh, fell in love with the place. How often do you get to uh, play around down there? Well, it, not as often as I would like. I'm, I'm, I live a few hours away, but of course, the biggest obstacle uh, in the last couple of years has been uh, the pan pandemic yeah. virus. So obviously, restrictions. But the moment that that is is lifted and clear, I fully intend to to play a lot more there. I got you. I thoroughly recommend it. What other clubs are you a member at? I'm a member. Um, at the RNA, as you said, I'm still a member at Murray. I live in 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 the, on the north side of Glasgow, and I'm a member of a club called the Glasgow Club, which uh, is 1787. I think. Wow. Um, it and it we're we're very fortunate. We have two courses. We have a, a course called Killerman in the in the city of Glasgow, which is a parkland course, and then about 30 miles down the road, we have another uh, links course. Part of part of the uh, the club called Glasgow Gales, which is yeah. which has held fi final qualifying for the Open Championship, held the Amateur Championship, uh, 
uh, as has Westlanks. Both of those uh, have been played there as well, as the women's am amateur also at Westlanks. And, and, and Glasgow Gale sits, you know, in the Troon, Prestwick area with six or seven other six or seven other courses of high quality, high quality links golf courses. So it's a great golfing mecca. Uh, so I, I say, Hayden, that I'm a, uh, I'm a member of four clubs, but between them, it adds up to 12 golf courses. Yeah. Well, that's so, ain't bad. <laughs> so I don't have any Dougal. You find somewhere to play. I'm very fortunate. Not hard. Um, so Glasgow Gales, I, uh, I have a really good buddy who I had on the podcast about a month ago. Um, he actually did a qualifying round, a couple qualifying rounds at Glasgow Gales. And that was when uh, I believe Colin Montgomery was there as well. Oh, yes. I well, I remember that. that. He, yeah, he was there. Well, I, I'll tell you what, what I remember most about it, and it shows you the dedication. It was for qualifying at Troon, and Montgomery was brought up in Troon. Yeah. And he was, he was in his 50s, and he was desperate to play there. For his last open, and he he wasn't there. There were only three places available, and he wasn't. He, he I think he he wasn't. He was lying in third place, but there was one person still out on the course who could dislodge him. And Montgomery, with all his experience and so on, went out to the practice ground to get ready for a potential playoff. The significance of it: it was torrential rain. Play was suspended for a few minutes, but Montgomery's dedication, he was on the practice ground, practicing for the playoff with the rain coming down in torrents. Yeah. And, and of course, he made it. And I was lucky enough, he, he, he was off in the first group on Thursday morning at 6.35, and I was lucky enough to be the walking referee with that group. Wow. And I've never, he was the happiest man on earth when he teed wow. off that day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, my friend was uh, John Michael. He played on the Asian tour for a while and he got enough, uh, got enough points to automatically qualify him into being able to do some qualifying rounds for the open. So open. Um, he really enjoyed it. He came into Scotland uh, in the St. Andrews played Kings Barnes came down Glasgow Gales and played his qualifying rounds and he loved it. He absolutely loved it. So it's it's a very good a very good track. Mm -hmm. Asked a he, lot of questions. Back, when he comes back, that's the two courses he said he wants to play again. So, well, normally you, you'd want to come and play new courses, but he uh, he's looking forward to playing those again. Well, you put you put him in touch with me, and I'll fix up the I'll fix up the Gales end for sure. Oh, for sure, for sure, I'll I'll do that. So uh, let's talk about um, your career as a rules official. Tell us how that began, uh, how you got into that. Well, it was quite um, opportunistic. I actually, I was coming up to uh, uh, retirement. I was thinking of retiring. And I said to a, a friend who I knew was involved that I'd like a job at, at the open, taking paper from one port of cabin to another just to be there. And he said he would look into it. And he came back and said, uh, you're far too old. That All those jobs are done by students. The only way in is the rules. You have to pass the rules exam. Yeah. And uh, so I said, OK, what, what's involved? And of course, I got out a rule book at this time and realized, like everybody else, how long it was since I'd even opened the book. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, so I said about it, and you sit an exam, the RNA have what they call their level three exam. And you, you sit the exam, it's a two and a half hour exam, some of it with books, some without books. Um, and there are kind of two levels of pass. To get onto the panel of referees, you have to get 80%, which the first time I sat the exam, I didn't get 80%, which wasn't a surprise given how little I'd spent looking at the <laughs> But the second time I got the 80, 80%, and then you have to resit the exam every uh, four years at when the new when the, it was a little shorter when the new the new rules came yeah. out. so you keep doing that until such time as your your time is your time is up and my time's drawing to an end which is uh, probably appropriate let younger people have an opportunity but i've had a yeah. wonderful time yeah well um let's talk about some of your experience and get some some good memories um You've met a lot of tour pros and a lot of different tournaments. Um, if you can name one of the nicest players to be an, an official for, who would it be? Yeah, um, that's a that's a, a question that's that that I get asked quite a lot. You've got to think carefully about it because, of course, when we go out on the course from the walking referee in particular with them during the Open, uh, to remember they're working. Yeah. So you don't nest, you, you know, you're not there as a referee to have a conversation and yeah. become their best friend. You have mm -hmm. to, you have to respect their, their, their distance um, and certainly not judge them on the fact that they're concentrating like mad and don't really have a lot of time uh, for you. But there are some who I, th I think are fairly well known that I, I was lucky enough to, to, to come across and, and work with who, whose names won't surprise you, Ricky Fowler, mm -hmm. uh, Xander Shoffley, uh, yeah. Mark, Mark Leishman, uh, Podrick Harrington, who just by the manner of the way they engage you on the course yeah. makes your yeah. makes your day uh, more more fun and 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 tells you a little bit about about them. Um, For sure. So they're, 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 and most of those names uh, are, 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 are well known. Um, and I certainly had some great fun, great fun with, with them. I, I had a great, great pleasure of interacting for a day uh, with Mark Amira. What a gentleman. Yeah. A really, a really gave me a lot of fun, enjoyment. So yeah. those are some, those are some of the names, and yeah, there are always some great names. Just, just little moments that uh, that that you remember. I, I, as I say, you don't normally speak to them, but I was walking with Dustin Johnson at uh, at at Troon, and he was playing incredibly well, and he hit it into some quite thick hay, and he walked in and he played a shot with a wedge to about three feet, and he made it look incredibly easy. Yeah. And I just, I kind of broke the rule and I said, I'm sorry, I have to tell you, you made that look really, really easy. And he said, well, it was quite easy. <laughs> now, Hayden, to you and me, you looked at that shot and thought, this could go anywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, so there are some nice moments that I remember. Yeah, some, some wow. very nice people. Well, yeah, that, that shot seems very, very easy. Uh, I could do that all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Three feet, it's nothing. Um, so you've had a lot of good experiences, um, but I know what everybody's wondering, and you don't have to say any names, but tell us about a controversial ruling that you've had in the Open Championship. Um, I think you, you phrased that well in the sense of no, no, no names, because one of the when I started out, one of the most senior referees, my club here asked me if, if I could persuade him to come to their annual dinner. To, to do what you've just asked. And he said, no, I don't do that. He said, because what's really important for him, and I mean, this chap did Ryder Cups and all the rest of it, very, very experienced. What's important to him, he said, is when I walk towards that player, they have to have the confidence that what goes on between us uh, remains between us. Mm -hmm. Because because so much of, of the, the difficult rulings are, uh, are, are are based on judgment and 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 trust. Um, having said that, and therefore, if you like, leaving the names, there's two or three that spring to mind that are that are slightly that are slightly different. Um, I had somebody had in the at St Andrews, somebody had hooked their drive off the. Let me backtrack for a second. Most of the problems in open championship golf courses don't come from the golf, for rulings, don't come from the golf course. They come from television towers, scoreboards, things that get in the way that aren't yeah. normal, normally there. So there's a set of rules that go with that. And uh, somebody had, had hooked his drive left at the, at, off the 17th tee at St. Andrews onto the second fairway. And he didn't want to go for the pin because there was uh, the, the horrible road hole bunker between him and the pin. And he wanted it to go to a very traditional place, which Bobby Jones used to go to all the time, which was the back of the 17th green. So he's playing away from the bunker towards the, the left-hand side of the back of the green. But yeah. right, be right between him and that spot was a TV tower. And he said, I can't get there because of the TV tower. Therefore, I want relief. I want to be able to move the ball to a place where the TV tower is no longer interfering with my line. Yeah. Uh, and the answer to that was no, <laughs> because the TV tower has to be directly between you and the hole. So even though it was directly between where he wanted to go to, uh, the answer was no. And um, in that particular occasion, um, he, you could you could see that that somebody could argue that you know his, from his point of view this this particular player just accepted it with with good grace. There could have been other players who wouldn't have been quite yeah. so quite so pleased about that. Yeah. Um, I had I had an a, uh, an interesting one that I remember with a player who called me onto the green to say that he wanted to, he had a short putt left or three or four feet. Um, yeah. And he showed me his golf ball and he said, it's misshapen. It was no longer suitable to putt with. So I had a look at the ball and I said, well, actually, I don't think it's, it's not cracked. It's not split. It's not misshapen. Um, I think that that's a sand burn that has scratched the surface uh, from the bunker you were in further down the fairway. Yeah. And he said, well, I disagree with you. Uh, I think this is misshapen. And I said, well, uh, I think it's just 
And I did something I you, you're not really encouraged to do, which was because he it was quite clear he didn't understand the rule. I took I took the rule book out of my pocket and showed it the rule. And he said, Well, I still disagree with you. And I, can I have a second opinion? And I said, Yeah, sure, of course you can. Um, you know, the idea is to get to the right decision. It's not to be for the referee to prove yeah. the correct or anything like that. And so I got on the walkie-talkie and asked if there was a senior referee, a professional referee nearby, and the answer was yes. And I, I said, well, uh, I, I need a second opinion. And he, can see, he said, I can see that. That's me sitting behind you about 100 yards away on my buggy. I'll come up and help. And this chap, had, again, very experienced in refereed in Ryder Cups, major championships, both sides of the Atlantic and so yeah. on. So I turned to the player and said, here's your second opinion coming in the buggy. You can see him 100 yards away. And I told him who it was. And the player turned and looked at me and he said, I think I'll just put it. And, and withdrew, his, withdrew his debate because he knew, he knew that when the professional referee came, he was going to get laughed out of court and he really didn't need that um, <laughs> on his CV, but when the amateur referee in front of him, he thought, maybe I could push this. Yeah, bit. trying to push the buttons and try to yeah, beat yeah. the system. So you kind of get two or three edges to, to the way they come in. Yeah. Uh, the, final, the final one I would, I, would, I would give you, which was probably the one that I remember personally struggling with most was – uh, a player who was doing well in the Open Championship, he hooked the ball into the left, into the rough, and it had it had come to rest just below uh, a six-inch ridge, which ran right across the rough, when it had just fallen over the edge of the ridge, and which meant that he wouldn't be able to uh, play towards the the uh, the green. Yeah. So. The, but the ridge was broken. The ground was broken slightly just behind to the right of the ball and slightly overlapping the ball. And he called me over and he said, I think that hole, I think that ground is broken by uh, an animal that's broken the ground. Yeah. And, and I said, well, what, what, difference does that make to you? And he said, well, my shot that I would need to play from here is actually not directly towards the hole. I would play it across the, the fairway at an angle. So it caught a big slope and rolled down towards the green. And I said, okay, that sounds absolutely reasonable. That's a links type shot. And he <laughs> said, but if I draw the club back to do that, I'm going to hit this hole do you agree that it's been made by an animal, the broken ground? And that's the tricky time because that's a judgment call. There wasn't a lot of evidence, but in the, on the bound of probability, I, I gave him that, that the, that the broken ground had been made by an animal and it was going to interfere with his shot and therefore he could have relief. relief. So he took the relief and hit it straight forward onto the green, <laughs> hold nice. out for two putts, and, wow. and and headed on to be in a very strong position when he came off the off fairway. So that yeah, 
that sort of one is not clear cut. Yeah, you have, to, yeah. you have to make a judgment. It's just something that you know you uh, play by feel, and you probably. I'm sure you have a lot of experience of not letting people uh, persuade you into certain decisions. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you just kind of went with your gut and I'm sure it was the right call. So, Well, along with passing the exam, you do go through a lot of training. The training is regular, you know, rural schools and annual get togethers of the referees and discuss situations and discuss having the courage to say no to somebody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what event was that? Where, where that was, was it played? Uh, that was played at Poor Rush. Poor Rush. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, sweet. Those are some very, very interesting. You know, you see it all the time watching on TV, uh, different situations where they have to take five, 10 minutes and explain uh, rules. Um, and I just, I admire what the rules official uh, officials have to do. Uh, they have to be stern. They have to not let the golfers kind of tell them what to do uh, and stick by the word. So I, I love that. And uh, I would, uh, I would add on, I would add on that one. Not let the golfers tell you what to do. On that particular occasion, I have to say the go- the golfer himself asked the question. Yeah, that was a good the person, way to put it. The person who gave me the advice was the caddy. <laughs> The caddy kept telling me what there was, what my decision should should be. So I had to, I had to kind of say to him that perhaps I was speaking to the player on this occasion and not. Uh, not yeah, I bet. Um, so uh, we've heard three experiences from an Open Championship. What other events, RNA, role events, have you uh, officiated for? Well, we do. We have a like the USGA. We also have a, a whole uh, raft of amateur events. We, mm-hmm. we have we have the reg- what we call regional and final qualifying for the Open as well, which are mixed amateur and professional. So a lot most of the players get in because they're exempt through the World Golf standing or whatever. But you can still play your your way in uh, through regional qualifying and going from there to final qualifying and from final qualifying into the open. So we run, we run those, we run amateur events for boys, uh, girls, women, and men from, you know, young age, right up to the, the seniors, uh, including the, you know, the, the women's amateur championship and the amateur championship, perhaps for me, um, because I come from the Northeast of Scotland, I refereed the final of the amateur championship at uh, the Bulgarian course at Royal Aberdeen, which was the first time they'd ever played the amateur in in uh, in Aberdeen. I'd been yeah. a member. I'd been a member there when I was twenty. So to referee the final was quite a big deal. Big deal for me. Uh, I've refereed at the Walker Cup uh, because of a, of our association with the European Tour. Uh, we would do one or two or sometimes more events on the European tour, Scottish Opens, French Opens, yeah. the, lady, the Ladies European Tour. And maybe one of the most fun events that I did was the, uh, the World Team Championship. Uh, perhaps people of my generation may be better known as the Eisenhower Trophy, uh, yeah. where, where teams from, I think the year I was there, there were 72 countries represented uh, from the United oh. States to... You know, Germany and the UK to 
to Bosnia and Uzbekistan, where guys were scoring over 100 and having more fun than the fellows who were fighting it out to win it. Yeah. They had to come home with a trophy, but some of these, Macedonia, some of these countries that were developing their golf, it was yeah, just a yeah. huge, huge honor for them to be there, to be playing in it. So a, a range of things, all of which were just wonderful memories. Yeah. So where does the Ryder Cup lie in rules and where it, does it depend on which country it's being played in that year? Well, the the, the RNA isn't involved in the, in in the Ryder Cup. That 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 that, that it, it originated from the Professional Golfers Association of the UK, which is now obviously become associated with the European PGA. And there's some kind of of now agreement, I think, as I understand it, between the European PGA and uh, the PGA of America. Mm-hmm. So they pick pick the referees. And all the all the professional tours have uh, professional referees who do it all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and and they, I think, rightly decide that the, the, that they will use their own professional referees at that level. The the knowledge that the player and the referee would have of each other under those circumstances, I think, would contribute greatly to the smooth running of, of the tournament. Mm-hmm. The players, the players, I say this as, a, as an amateur referee uh, who's done a number of years, but the players like to know who they're speaking to. You know, even at a very simple level, I used to make it a, a practice to introduce, make sure I introduced my name, uh, that my name badge was there. They knew I came from the RNA. So they, not that they needed to know me as a person, but that profile. And so the Ryder Cup, I'm sure, relies very heavily on that association and that knowledge of of the referee and the between the referee and the player. Mm-hmm. So it 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 fits in, if you like, in, in that uh, professional top of the house uh, bracket. I got you. What uh, what did you think of the Ryder Cup briefly? What do you think uh, the problem was with the European side? I, I'm not sure I'm supposed to say this, but I, I, I think the problem was that you have an extremely good team. The United States had an yeah. extremely good team. I guess there was, wasn't really which was better, problem. which was better, better on the day, better over the three days they played yeah. exceptionally well. Yeah, we're I don't probably think there was a problem. slightly on the ter- we're probably. Slightly on the turn, we've got some older players, whereas you have a lot of energetic, confident young players, and yeah. maybe that's these the tide turns in sport, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think that um, you know, there's they're on different train tracks right now. Yeah, the U.S. is kind of on the up and coming young guys, and the Europeans kind of like a build up. You know, some some sports teams have a build a couple build up years to where they're getting some new guys in and getting some experience. So, yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I phrased that question wrong. I don't think there's much of a problem. They're all amazing golfers. Mm-hmm. I just think the U S had a pretty strong team this year. Who, so. who, who played, who played really well. They got mm-hmm. out of the traps fast and they kept the pressure on. Yep. And they didn't, so. they didn't open the door to let people back in. And uh, it was pretty impressive. I would say. 
Yeah. Um, and the next one is in uh, Rome, I believe. Yes. Two years. Uh, and cool story. We are uh, Royal Links Golf Tours is talking with a Italian uh, golf tour operator in Italy. And we're planning a trip for the Ryder Cup venue. So okay. if anybody's interested, uh, we're going to have some information on our website in the coming future. Uh, it's a, it's, it'll be a pretty, pretty cool experience for, for people. So, uh, well, last couple things. Uh, I want to hear your favorite course that you uh, officiated on. That has to be the old course at St. Andrews. Uh, All right. The, the atmosphere in an open championship at St. Andrews is quite unlike any other. Yeah. And, and I, I think a lot of that is to do with, not only do we get the biggest crowds there, we get international crowds there. You know, if people are going to see from Americans or Japanese or Italians are going to come to one open. Yep. It's going, it's going to be at St. Andrews. Yep. And so, so the atmosphere is just special. Absolutely terrific. Yeah. Really, awesome. really good. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. It's kind of like um, the Masters. You're gonna have pretty much everybody is gonna make a trip to that from all over the country, um, and I think it's really special to have you know all 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 countries um, in in one place. It makes it really special. Um, to end off. Let's, I, should uh, just, I should just say for the Royal Links Golf Tour as well, just to remind people that there's an open at St. Andrews next next year. So people, oh, yeah. should, so people oh, yeah. should plan to be there. We do. We have we have some tickets and uh, we do have a trip planned for that. So if, uh, you know, if people didn't get in the ballot for tickets, I think we've, we've got spots available. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to try to try to go to that. And then I believe with that trip, the Murray Open is that week as well. So we're kind of morphing those two together. I know you know you have a little experience in the Murray Open, probably. Yeah, great fun, great fun. Five day, five day, best value for golf for five days on us on two super golf courses at the Murray yeah. Golf Club. Um, it's usually I'm trying to remember now. It's yeah, it's the week after the Open. Mm-hmm. So they, they play it. But everybody's everybody's guaranteed five rounds one way one way or another. Um, yeah. Not, so that, not that's a that's a great combination. Yeah. Um, a new course that I want to in in the podcast on and get your um, your thoughts on is Dumbarney Links. What do you think about that? Yeah, I've played it uh, twice this year, and I I have to. I guess I'm a I'm a traditionalist. You probably picked that up uh, when I speak about Jones and and so on, and so I tend to think of of links golf courses as narrow, narrow strips of land, um, yeah. tightly compacted, and Dunbarney is not. It's 365 acres, so it's quite different. Mm-hmm. So when I arrived, I had I had this traditionalist feeling that I wasn't going to like this as much as other links, links yeah. golf courses. And uh, after the first round, I was pretty impressed. After the second round, I was knocked out. I, I think it's, it's really good. It's going to be a huge 
success. The, the architect who by chance, Clive Clark happened to be there the day we were there, the, the second time I played, and he was kind of working the, the, the dining room and asking people and giving his opinions and so on. Traditional golf course, traditional links golf courses have never seen a bulldozer. Dumbarney have seen lots of bulldozers. Yeah. And he, ex he explained it all, but he has captured all the elements of Lynx golf. The setting is spectacular, running down to the first of fourth. Um, don't worry about out of bounds. Certainly I don't have to, even, even if at the nearest point, if I took out my driver and tried to go out of bounds, I wouldn't reach it. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a great layout. Um, each, each hole has its own personality. The greens are, are, have easy pin positions and really difficult pin positions. The setting is spectacular. Yeah, I, 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 I changed my mind. I, yeah. I'm happy, happy to admit that. And I get, I get nothing from Dumbarney for saying that. This is a purely personal, personal opinion. Yeah, um, I know yeah. Jeff. Jeff has. I would recommend thoughts. it. I would recommend. I would recommend it highly. Jeff enjoyed it as well, um, and we're we're trying to encourage that as a destination while in St. Andrews because it's you know just the new exciting thing that's happening in the British Isles, and I think uh, we're kind of in the beginning midst of. A, an amazing top 10 course. So um, hopefully it has, uh, hopefully they have high expectations and I hope it gets to those expectations, expectations as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's got every, every chance of doing that. And I, and I think from, from, from your point of view and the, the Royal Lynx tour point of view, the, the opportunity to play these new, new great new Lynx courses that are that are being established with, you know, really innovative architecture, but also the very next day, if you want to play something that was, you know, just created out of the ground that was there in 1850 or something, you know, to have the two of them within the two styles within a few miles of each other yeah. offers a great great opportunity for people who want to understand where Scottish golf links was, how where it originated from, and where it's where it's going to. So I thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, Dumbarney is only about thirty minutes south of you know St Andrews and the the home of golf. So it's right there with with Kings Barnes and Carnoustie is up up north as well. Um, it's right right in the heart of it. So. Um, I know a lot of people are going to be adding that to their list soon. All right, Neil, thank Good you so much. Uh, this has been a blast. You know, it's great to having somebody with so much experience in uh, the open and, you know, given their experience from the rules officiating and it's been great. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for asking me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yes, sir. Till next time. Uh, I'll, I'll come visit you soon. All right. Please do. Please do. Look forward to it. Say hi to Jeff for me. I will. Okay. Cheers, Hayden. Cheers.